Welcome to the Let's Get Into It coaching podcast. My name is Joanne McMillan from joanne.ie and I'm delighted that you have joined me. Each of the episodes are filled with coaching and lessons on how to tune into our intuition, how to become more intuitively aware and how to use our intuition as a guide in our daily life. I'm so excited to get started. So let's get into it. So hello, everybody. You are so welcome once again to the Let's Get Into It coaching podcast. And also, first of all, a really bright belt of blessings to everyone who celebrates. May this season really ignite your passions and your adventures. And may you get ready for summer. Hopefully we are ready for summer. So today (laughs) is the 1st of May and I'm here with the totally awesome Debbie Byrne. It's like... If you don't know Debbie yet, you are missing out. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> so I don't even know where to start with Debbie because we go back a long time. And I sent on a message her this morning of a Facebook memory that popped up for the 1st of May 2011. And I just finished a drumming weekend with Debbie in Sligo. And I was, I could just see, you know, I could just remember how I was buzzing after that. But I met Debbie even before that, a couple of years before that, at a wise woman weekend where she was running an African drumming workshop. And in truth, it was the only reason I went to the weekend. (laughs) I wanted to learn how to play the African drums. Yes, I am a South African that came all the way to Ireland to learn how to play the African drums. (laughs) And I am so delighted that Debbie was the person to introduce me to it. Or as Debbie would often say, tongue in cheek, that she took my drumming virginity. So, <laughs> so Debbie, you are so welcome to the Let's Get Into It podcast. I, I can't wait to start this chat. So there is a lot more to you than just the drumming. It's like you are most definitely a multi-passionate entrepreneur, but also a multi-passionate human being. And um, yes, tell us a little bit more about you. I know you are doing a lot of different things at the moment. But tell us more about you. I have a lot of things I want to ask, but please just tell our listeners, what are you up to these days? Oh, okay. So like I was saying to you earlier, um, I've been drumming for since 1999 is when I started. So I don't know how many years that is. Um, I'm no good with maths. Um, (laughs) Yeah, a long long time. Um, and, you know, prior to the pandemic, you know, it was my sole income, you know, and um, I had kind of found a niche of recovery mental health. Like, you know, it's, I, it, it was something I was really passionate about. Um, and then come lockdown, everything changed. Yeah. You know, so I went into a completely different career path, okay. you know, lockdown. Um, but, and I, yes, I was drumming yesterday at a wedding and I, I, I drummed a couple of weeks ago at a HSE conference and the passion is still there. So I'm never going to lose that passion. Yes. But, I, but I'm loving the, the routine of a five-day-a-week job and nine-to-five. And yes. that's a new experience for me. I haven't been self-employed for so many years. So I'm loving that as well, yes. you know. But I'm not ready to let go of the drumming yet. Yes. You know, no. still, yeah, I'm still hooked. <laughs> yeah, no, not yet. <laughs> oh, <laughs> my know? goodness. And... I know your your the I suppose your drumming business, the name of your drumming collective, I want to call it, is called Ruach Rhythms. And I always love when you share what that means to you, but what does it mean to you today? Ruach Rhythms. I know it has a definition. Yes, but, uh, 
Yeah, Ruach uh, is Hebrew and it means the breath of God. And um, and that was years later I discovered that John O'Donoghue, you know, from Anamkara, yeah. um, he actually wrote a piece on Ruach and he described it going the further back you go and you research this Hebrew word, it actually means the holy feminine breath of God. Wow. You know, um, and I had to laugh one day, I was parked in Strand Hill and I have the rook rhythms on my van. And I have to admit, I cheated a little bit and I put a little father over the U, just, yeah. <laughs> you know, just to, and anyway, when I came back to the van after walking my dogs, there was a, an elderly Jewish couple standing by my van waiting for me. Oh. And um, they said, oh, we had to wait because the, the word rook, we've seen it on your van, you know. And I said, oh yeah, so, you know, and my name's Hebrew. Debbie is my, is my yes. is a Hebrew name. Um, and Debbie means the bee, which has a whole other meaning, which which I fully relate to. But um, so they, we would talk about, and they would give me a little bit of history of work, but they were very annoyed that I put the father on this. Oh, so, really? yeah, because they said to me, what does this mean? And I said, oh, it's an, it's an Irish father. You know, so the conversation starts off really uh, nice. It didn't end badly, but it, but it certainly didn't end, you know, um, with the depth of sweetness they, they weren't a bit happy that I threw a, a father on a Hebrew word and I was like oh you know anyway they got over it but, um, <laughs> it's actually a Hebrew word so I apologize to everyone who sees it you know it's I've just thrown the father on it. it's not an Irish word you know. yes. I think it looks great though with the father it on does. The, you know it does it's I'm a natural does. rule breaker I'll just throw yeah, a father you, anyway you are you are and you know what? <laughs> that is what, what I love about you um, you know no it's true it's like you are definitely somebody who follows your own path and you know when I when I was kind of thinking about our chat coming up today I was thinking that all of the different stories that I've heard from you that really impacted me over the years and there's one that I thought yeah. about especially today and I, I hope it's okay if you shared with with everybody yeah, absolutely it was that that day when you were a little girl you were walking up a hill and you had a thought about what your life, what you imagine your life would be like. Yeah. So I yeah. please share that with us. And also it's like what your life ended up being. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, you know, because I, I was born with eczema. I had chronic eczema as a child. So, you know, I mean, I suffered physically as a child and I mean, my skin looked awful and, you know, it's still not great, you know, um, but I've kind of grown into my skin. I, I'm the same age as my skin now, yeah. but um as a child, because of my eczema, my schooling, teachers always told me what I couldn't do. Mm -hmm. You know, they never told me what I could do, you know, because of your skin, you won't be able to work, you know, and they even was like, you won't be able to do any cooking, you won't be able to do anything that, you know, involves work with the public, you'll be able to work in a shop. I remember walking home one day from school and I walked past a bus stop full of girls of the same age, a little bit older than me, and they were all very gregarious and, you know, I remember looking at them, it with an with an eye of oh envy not not kind of green envy but like a oh, humility envy as in they're so lucky and you know my life is going to be so small mm. and kind of panicking and I'm, I was only about 12 13 at the time 13 panicking thinking what am I going to do with my life and so I'd already made up my mind at that stage that I was going to have a small life yes you know that I wasn't going to reach for anything you know, because I'd already put myself into this very small space. My skin wasn't going to allow me. Nobody's going to love me with my skin, you know. And when I look back now, and I actually, I feel quite emotional saying this to you, yeah. Joanne, because I haven't said this for a long, long time. Mm -hmm. When I look back now and I look at my life, oh my God, I, if someone had whispered in my ear 
Mm. You know, Debbie, you're going to be a drummer. And not only are you going to be a drummer, you're going to be a, a really good facilitator. And I am a good facilitator. Yes, you are. Um, uh, you know, and then you you know you're going to you're going to uh, spread music and rhythm, and you're going to go down and dirty with it. You know, in the the deepest core of human emotions, you're going to go work with people who are at rock bottom of their lives, and you're going to use music to pull them out of that space and you know put the ladder against the wall of a well that they can climb out of. You know, um, and and. And then I worked, I spent two years working with perpetrators of domestic violence, and now I work with women in domestic violence. It's like, you know, and, and that excites me more than anything because it's like, I didn't see that one coming <laughs> in lockdown. I, you know, as far as I knew, I was a therapeutic drummer. You know, I'm, I'm completely, and so, so that kind of reality of, you know, it's not over yet. There's so much more and so many more adventures, and I have no idea where I'm going because okay. for this little 13 year old girl who thought her life was going to be so small, you know, to the adventure that I have been on is it's very emotional for me when I when I when I talk about it yeah you know because I just had no idea what was ahead I had no idea what I was capable of I had no idea of the potential you know and it's funny enough because we had a, a reunion of our school in Ireland recently because uh, I came home to Ireland when I was 13 and um, we had a reunion a few years ago actually and you know the way everyone's like what are you doing now and I was kind of embarrassed going well, I'm a drummer you know, and they were like, well, that doesn't surprise us. And I was like, really? How, how can you say that? And they were like, no, not at all. You were always a little bit, you know. And I was like, a little bit what? You know, they were like, a bit different. And I was like, I was? You know, I, I couldn't see it. Yeah. I didn't see that, you know. But but apparently other people could see it. Yeah. So I couldn't even see my own potential, yeah. whereas other people could. Wow. You know, so that's a huge thing for me is, is our inability to see our own potential. And all, sometimes all it takes is another person to kind of believe in us. Yes. So that's a whole other discussion, really, isn't it? Or, or yeah. is it? <laughs> well, no, it's a good discussion <laughs> to have. And I agree with you. It's like, you know, um, we all come from different backgrounds. And sometimes we come from backgrounds where our true potential is not mirrored back to us. Yeah. And like you yeah. said, all the teachers told me what I couldn't do. And none of them were there showing you what you can do, you know? Yep. So it's like, and yes, I agree with you. We need those people who believe in us, you know, enough yep. until we get to see who we really are. And yeah, and I have to say, Debbie, in many ways, you have been one of those people to me. It's like, we're going to, this is going to end up to be a crying session. I can feel it already. Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, I can already feel it. Yeah, going down that path. But it's true. It's like, yeah. You know, I've, uh, yeah, at, at the time I met you, I've gone through so, I've gone through a really, really, really difficult relationship dynamic thing I was stuck in. And it felt like there were pieces of me broken off and I, I couldn't, there was nothing left of me to see. And you are one of the people mm. who helped me to put the pieces back together, you know, through rhythm and mm. through music and through sound even, you know. Um, yeah, and, and fed you know what's that beautiful saying that says and um, your friends are the people who sing your song back to you if you've forgotten who you are or something like that, yeah, that, yeah. that you know something along those lines but you were one of those people to me for sure you know that helped oh. me to put myself yeah. back together and and mirror my potential back to me <laughs> and even to this day if I'm in one of your drumming groups and you ask me to drum but there by myself and everybody's looking on like oh <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I always feel challenged but in a good way you know 
so thank you it's like you know you have been yeah. I'm very humbled to hear that because that's you know it's, it, it sounds like a ridiculous thing to say but if I drop dead in the morning knowing even one person has has said that about me is enough yeah. isn't that isn't that a strange thing to say but it is because it's quite a powerful thing you yeah. know to be a part of to be a part of someone's journey in such a yes. powerful way and yes it in a sense you know we're all we're all part of everyone's journey we cross paths with and, and we're all hugely significant on their journeys yes. you know it's yeah. probably a good thing that we don't know it's humility is a, and humbleness is probably a very powerful tool yes. you know we yeah. need it we need it yeah. you know Absolutely. so I, I it's i feel humbled to hear you say that that's lovely really and, lovely and you know there's something uh, something that's popping into my head right now that i haven't thought about for in years and well i, I was talking about it earlier but i didn't think about that part of it is that very first weekend when I met you at the Wise Woman Weekend and we were drumming, I was immediately drawn to the Junjun. So if somebody doesn't know what a Junjun is, there's just a big cylinder drum that looks like a silo and had skins on both ends. I was immediately drawn to it, but you play the Junjun with a stick. So you were teaching me this rhythm yeah. to play and you know, and the and Junjun kind of holds the, the bass rhythm for <laughs> for the rest of it. Yeah, it's a, lead, and, a leadership role. It's a leadership yeah, role. And yeah. you came over to me. I was there Aww. going, you know, ping, ping, ping. And you came over to me at some stage and you said, and and quite not forcefully, but quite loud, you said, tap into your power. And I went, huh? What power? <laughs> I don't have power. <laughs> oh, I apologize but, for that. No, no, no. <laughs> it really alerted me to. Oh, where is your power, Joanne? Because I, you know, couldn't, it's I couldn't find that. it. Yeah. Yeah. Because working with women over the years, 20 years of working with women, I would see women, and there's nothing against men because I've seen men do the same, but predominantly women, yeah. they'd come in and they'd drum with their fingertips and they'd yes. be like, um, you know, and they'd be afraid to make noise. And, you know, um, so I probably in the, I wouldn't do that now, but probably yeah. in the beginning, I would have been, you know, well, yeah, for God's sake, go inside of yourself and pull out that warrior woman. And will you drum like a warrior woman, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I think that was, but I think that was also the theme of that drumming workshop was yeah. the warrior woman. Yeah. And it's like, so, yeah. you know, it was fitting, but it, but it wasn't yeah. wrong. It, it's not something I regret. Not at all. Not at all. Because it really yeah. it, it kind of alerted me to the lack of power you know in me yes. so it's like i tried then like my best <laughs> slapping to yeah, nothing yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah well and in my mind the very fact that you went to the dungeons told me that it was there within you yes yeah it was within you you wouldn't have got yeah. no one goes to the dungeons unless they're ready to take yeah. a leadership role yeah you know for anyone who doesn't know african drumming or or um you know some people say the djembe is the lead role and yeah, yeah. you know i always think in I apologize to all the African drummers who I'm going to offend. I am sorry, but I'm just going to say, put this out there. You said to me earlier on, is there anything off the table? No. I should have put this one. You, you should stop me now before I say no, this. No, no, go on. <laughs> I always find in African drumming, you know, when the, you've got all the backing of the Junjun players and everything else, then you've got this lead drummer who's usually a man and they're doing all these solos. And it's like, it's like everyone else is set up there for this one person to get off and, you know, have a drum orgasm all by themselves and, you know, <laughs> It, it, and I and I I always say it's such a male thing to do because the male are like whoa you know yeah. so and I think no because you you're not the lead here you think yeah. you are the lead you're not the lead the yeah. lead is all these people here and the Junjun players because yeah. who are you without them yeah how you know yeah. you know and, and there are master drummers who don't need Junjun you could there's some amazing master drummers out there give them a djembe and and yes. you know yeah. they, they they make your heart sing but um 
so the dungeon is a powerful place to be in. So I just love to see women over the years taking up those sticks and going for the dungeons, yeah. you know, and you did yeah. it without thinking. Yes. You know, yeah. which, which yeah. I loved. Yes. You know, yeah. but in a sense, I, I'm remembering now, as you said that, in a sense, it was like, if you're going to pick up those sticks, yes. you do not do it gently. You do not do this. We're not looking for a graceful dungeon player. You know, I'm looking for a hardcore, go in there, wild woman. It was a wild woman weekend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it yeah. was, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. Was, yeah. So, oh, and you've done plenty of oh, listen, yeah, it is. <laughs> that's true. Giving away no secrets. No, no, <laughs> no, that's okay. But it's like, but it is quite interesting. And as you're saying that, it's like, you know, there's definitely been, I suppose, a shift in our consciousness over the last decade or more around that the 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 masculine, feminine kind of energies. And it's like, you know, I'm thinking about, as you were saying, there's like how often, you know, you, you've heard these sayings and we don't hear them as often, but it's now these days, but it's like, I grew, certainly grew up um, was saying, I remember there was even like a soapy in South Africa called, you know, behind every man, you know, a strong, you know, that kind of thing. But it's like, it, it, there was always the strength was there, but it was put in the backgrounds, you know, that solidness and support and all of that. And then they get all the limelight, you know, but that oh, is definitely changing, you know, I, you know, the last yeah. decade or so for sure that those energies are changing, which is great. And I have to say that really changed for me a lot in the drumming circles with you was finding that balance of the masculine and feminine within myself. And I remember my left side, my feminine side being completely asleep. Yes. Like I remember trying some of these rhythms. It's like I literally had to take my hand and go come on yeah. <laughs> why aren't you making a sound it was yeah. like completely asleep yeah. it was like and I, I remember just finding that balance um between yeah. masculine and feminine within myself was really important really yeah. important part of my journey yeah. Yeah. but it's interesting yeah. isn't it how do you say that yeah go on no because uh, I noticed in a lot of workshops over the years um because we live in a predominantly right-handed world you know yes. there was this kind of reclaiming of the left hand and people didn't realize they did it but they they their, their mind thought they were playing with the left hand but actually the left hand was barely making any sound yes you know yes. and it kind of you know and I lost my finger um yes. in 2007 I remember the um surgeon saying to me so that you, the nerve endings in your finger don't die you've got to cause pain you've got to tap it like this yes. to cause pain in the nerve endings for the nerve endings to realize they're alive Yes. you know um so every time like it was really painful back then but yes. um and I thought that's really interesting so I don't know if you noticed at the workshops I would say you know if you're predominantly right-handed hit a bit harder with your left hand and cause a bit of pain yes yes beginning yes. you know yes. you know do it to the point where you're like ouch 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 and, <laughs> and in a sense you're you're, you're it's like those nerve endings those neurons you know wake it up Yes. you know and reclaim that side of your body absolutely whatever it represents for you reclaim yeah. it and the opposite you know i suppose for people who are left-handed in the right hand you know just reclaiming that side of the body oh. so i always thought this idea of pain and you know reclamation you know yeah not that i have people hurting themselves in my work no no no, no. <laughs> make that clear but a little bit of pain on the on the on the weaker side of the body is, is yeah. highly like recommended. More of a waking up. yeah waking up of yeah. that yeah. 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 yeah amazing not overdoing it yeah <laughs> but okay so leading on from that question of when you were that little girl and you you said you, you kind of prepared yourself for a, a small life as you call it yeah it's like so how how did what 
how did you go? It's like, I have a friend that says, I just follow the breadcrumbs, you know? But it's like, how did yeah. you go from the one thing to the next, to the next? You know, how do you do that? Yeah. <laughs> I know well, it's funny because hindsight now you can see it. Obviously, you know, yes. you can only see things in hindsight. You yeah. can only see the pattern in hindsight. Yes. You know, um, but mine was in, in 1999 when uh, a group of we a group of us had done this thing called training for transformation and um one of the women said oh there's a an african drumming workshop in a local place local town nearby it was a day workshop um and so we go and i was like yeah i'm up for it and i, I kind of was i'd always loved drumming you know because I, I spent a bit of time in london and, I, and i'd go down to come garden i'd watch the drummers and in a sense i had them on a pedestal because in my mind they were so accomplished and cool and you know yes. and I was this tiny little, you know, yeah. observer of yeah. them, you know, so I, I was in awe. So yeah. anyway, we, we, the morning of the drumming workshop, didn't all of the women, one by one, rang to say, I can't make it, you know. <gasps> so I ended up driving on my own down to the workshop. And I remember thinking, oh, my, I must be nuts because I've got, my kids are very young and, I, and you know, when you've got young kids, there's so much work to do. And But I'd got a babysitter and so I thought, no, I'm, I'm going to take the day. And I remember walking in. And Maxine Golding was my first teacher, and she was actually Rook Rhythms before me. Oh, right. Um, yeah, Maxine was Rook Rhythms. And she had it set out, um, you know, she had this kind of Native American Indian design in the middle of the of the circle, and she had all the drums around. And visually, when I walked in, I mean, the visual impact alone just, yes. I felt this kind of a, a punch into my stomach, mm. you know, um, and then when we started playing, do you know, it's funny because, I mean, the tears just, I had an, I was swallowing back tears from the very beginning, you know, and I was like, at that stage, I had done no real personal development work and I'd done no real spiritual growth. I was very fearful spiritually and, you know, it would have been very much the beginning of my journey. So drums definitely uh, initiated that whole journey for me, yeah. but I was absolutely overcome with tears. It, it was like, it was like coming home, but coming home from where? I didn't know you know yes um where it's coming from where this was coming from but i i literally cried the whole way through it mm -hmm. um so now i kept going down to maxine i remember you know it's so funny because the birth of the facilitator is quite an unusual thing um i remember i'd watch and this is not that there's no criticism maxine she was absolutely amazing um but i remember i'd watch maxine doing things and i might notice that somebody in the group was a bit behind or there might be and I, and I remember thinking oh god if I was doing this I'd do it this way because I've just noticed something over there and yeah. and Maxine had the wisdom to know and she said to me you're a natural facilitator I can see you doing this someday yes you know um and there's been a lot in my world recently about strong women you know um and I remember having this discussion with somebody who said oh strong women clash and I said no you're wrong mm. A strong women lift each other up mm. you know and they don't they're not threatened by a, another woman you know and, that, and actually that's what Maxine did she wasn't threatened by the potential of me being a facilitator she yeah. lifted me up and she said I can see the potential in yes. you you're a natural yes. you know um, and then she brought me from there she said come and meet my drum teacher which was she brought me down then to meet John Barrick in the Bark Hill. Okay, wow. Uh, and then John was the next significant, very very significant teacher in my world. Yes. You know, I, I learned um, an awful lot from John as a facilitator. Yes. I, I will absolutely say, categorically, that John Barrick is one of the best facilitators yes. 
Yeah. And I've seen a lot. I've seen a lot over the years because I went on a on a, a mission to experience as many facilitators as I could. Yeah. He's one of the best facilitators yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I've ever come across. Yeah. Um, so I learned a lot from watching John and my journey in the Bog Hill with Tribal Spirit and John Barker was um, profound, yes, profoundly yeah. painful and profoundly um, like a, like a butterfly and a chrysalis. Yes. You know, that yes. was the, that was my Christmas. Yes. You know. Okay. Um, wow. And like all kinds of things, you know, I've noticed something about myself. But sometimes I have to go to a point of crisis before I let go of stuff. Yes. Just you like know. a butterfly. <laughs> Just like a butterfly. Yeah. And I, I, and it is an interesting analogy yeah, yeah. because, in a sense, we, you know, uh, we set up our song together, and I lost my finger at our song the very first camp, and you know, um, and we went we went our separate ways then, you know, um, and it was difficult, it was challenging, you yeah. know. But to this day, I honour John Back as one of a very significant teacher. Um, yeah you know taught me a lot about how to facilitate groups I imitated him for a long time until I until I found my own style yes. you know but in a sense synopsizing that that was my journey into the drumming yeah. you know that was a powerful I suppose the second part of the journey which is I won't go into it because it's too much was was what brought me from you know teaching rhythms to uh deciding that I'm never going to teach another rhythm again creating a different kind of a space for people yes. which is what I would call the therapeutic rhythm space yes you know as yes. opposed to the as opposed to the polyrhythm space yes, yes. and I, I remember I was with you on that weekend actually yeah uh, yeah when when you you know you you made that journey into into that kind of fine you know not fine I don't want to say finally yeah that transition into kind of the what I call what, what I like to call village music and it's like you know everybody just bringing their yeah. playing their parts yeah. and being themselves in it yeah. and, you know um I, I remember that very profoundly yeah 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 you know and what yeah, it, was a, it was a prof it was a it's funny when you when we when we can look back with hindsight and we can see the pivotal moments in our yeah. life where the, those those they're so simplistic yet they're powerful uh, all of a sudden we've changed direction yes and you know it's like you don't see it but the next thing you're like what oh, okay yeah, yeah, yeah. yes and it's uh it's uh i mean I, I cried that weekend i went out and cried i remember paul deer for anyone who doesn't know paul deer is a great uh, another great john facilitator from the uk yes. um who runs the um british music workshops arthur hall stuff in scotland with jane bentley another yes. absolutely <laughs> amazing one of, one of the best female facilitators yes. on the planet is jane yes. bentley in yes. fact i put her above john bowker <laughs> She's that brilliant, you know, and I, I do, I think she's just the creme de la creme. Yes. But, yeah. um, Amazing. so in a sense, I'm really lucky to have experienced those people. Mm. But uh, this idea of, of you know, because I, I, maybe I should tell the story actually that, that yeah. kind of brought me to that place. Um, mm. I was doing regular workshops in a venue not too far away from here. And a guy came to my workshop one night and he had a suit on him. And he was actually like a, I think he actually was an accountant mm. um, or something, something very mind orientated. And he came in and he said, I've been dreaming of drumming. Oh, my God, I can't believe I found this. I've been dreaming of drumming. And I was like, oh, you're so welcome. It's brilliant, you know. But he could not access. At that stage, I was teaching polyrhythms, African rhythms. Yeah. And we'd, teach, we'd learn the rhythm. We'd put the polyrhythms together. And then we'd go on a little journey with polyrhythms. But he couldn't access even the simplest rhythm, heartbeat. He couldn't access it. He was, like, stiff in his body. And, you know, I kind of slowed the group down to try and meet him where he was at and then there came a point where I have to sacrifice him for the greater of the group, yes. you know. Um, so 
I said to him, come a bit early and we'll spend some time, you know, trying to get you reconnected with your rhythm. And he would come half an hour early. But I noticed in the group that when he couldn't keep up and access the rhythm, he would be really cross with himself and really angry. And you could hear his self-critical mind going, you're so stupid, you're so stupid, you can't, why can't you do this? And of course, the angerer he became, the stiffer he became in his body and the less access he had to his rhythm. So Mm. it was like a, you know, it was like this cycle of criticism and stiffness and 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 he eventually stopped coming and I never forgot him because I... I felt I'd let this man down and I still have emotion telling this story all these years later and I've never met the man since and I would love absolutely love you know um to meet him and funny enough when I put things out in the universe they really yeah. have a habit yes. of me. so you know I, I'm hoping the day will come and mm-hmm. I will apologize to him personally because I, I wasn't skilled enough to embrace him into the space and the space I was creating rhythmically only suited certain types of people yes it only searches, you know, um, you know, there's there's a whole plethora of society that couldn't come into that space because they just couldn't hold down a polyrhythm. Yes. You know, yeah. um, and I think that's when, uh, plus that weekend we did where Paul came over and mm. did the hero's journey with us. Yes. Um, and Paul walked into the middle of the circle and he went, one, two, <laughs> you know, play what you like. And everyone looked at me as if to say, what do we play? Maybe show us what to play. Yes. because yes. they've been so used to me teaching rhythms yes. that nobody knew what to do with themselves and they, yes. they looked to the teacher yes. and I remember I, I was one of them kind of sneaking out of the room <laughs> and crying and Paul came out to me and Paul said yeah he said to me don't throw the baby out with the bathwater." that was his words he said don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, Debbie he yes. said you know um they'll get there there'll be different people by the end of the weekend yes and we you were know, and it, it was this kind of yeah and, and you were and it was this kind of understanding then that I, I had to let go of the criticism that I had disempowered people by teaching them rhythm. Yeah. Because I felt, oh my God, I've disempowered these people. Yeah. I've been teaching rhythms for so many years and they have zero access to their own unique creativity. Yeah. And that was a, that was a, it took a lot for me to overcome that criticism of myself. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, and then I realized at the weekend, when you create a space where both have value, teaching rhythms has value, palo rhythms has value. Yeah. But, but for me, the side of the fence that I sit on now is, you know, yeah, I love polyrhythms. I love listening to them, love, you know, put them together. But, oh, my God, I love walking into a group of people who have never met before, don't know each other, have all kinds of issues, whether they suffer from depression or mental health or recovery or whatever they've gone through. And, and we can create a piece of music that's so unique in the moment and that one person is told what to play. Yes. And yet we can still come out of that space and go, wow that was I did not know I had the ability to play something so so amazing and that's what I love now is bringing people internally into themselves and going don't know what's in there go and have a look what's inside of you yes have a little little kind of you know um root around inside and see what's in there which we talked a lot about the hot seat it's like have a little root in there and see what rhythm feels right to you there might be a different rhythm tomorrow there might be a different rhythm in an hour's time but right now in this moment in time what rhythm is going on inside of you Yes. And that's where the magic lies. Oh, totally. Yeah. And, you know, and I have to say that is something that I am. It's a totally a value that we share, um, Debbie, is like helping and empowering people to do it for themselves, you yeah, know, themselves. and even with the, the work I do with business owners, it's like, you know, I can do it for you. I can set up your website and everything for you. But it's really important that you know how it runs, yeah. <laughs> that you know how to do it, but, yeah. you know, um, because I think that is so empowering. And I have to say, you know, for me, 
drumming with you brought me down another path you know with shamanic drumming and all kinds of mm -hmm. things but in that I totally I completely connected with how empowering it can be for people to find their own answer yeah. you know with say like shamanic counseling you know it's like you're not the therapist there you know making a diagnosis or a, a, a mm. plan for this person it's like you are literally helping them to go within themselves yeah. and find their own answer yeah. and that was so hugely empowering for me mm -hmm. and for the clients and that's mm -hmm. what I love about your work it's like that's what you do for people yeah and, and what I love about it as well because I, I, I call it like therapeutic uh, I, I would I would describe myself as a rhythm therapist but you know um like you said there I'm not I'm not um Sorry, the doggy's coming in here. I'm not, um, I'm not, <laughs> that was my husband going woof woof, tends to be gone, sorry. He's gone now, we can resume. Um, that was, uh, I, I'm not, I'm not analyzing people or, or I'm not observing them in a therapeutic way, but what I'm doing is creating a space where um, all of this dynamic is going on and no one needs to name it. You know, there's release, there's connection, there's community, there's belonging, there's yeah. creation, there's 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 musicality, there's creativity, yeah. you know, there's skills, there's you know, adventure, uh, and and there's uh, the biggest thing I would say is release. Yes. You know, I, I specialize a lot in in I did a lot of work in psychiatric unit, acute psychiatric units. Yes. You know. Um, and actually did a good bit of stuff in the prisons uh, as well, in the prison system. And I remember one of the counsellors in the prison system saying to me, my God, whatever's going on in that room, when the men come in to me afterwards, yeah. they just feel like there's a weight off their shoulders and they've released stuff. Yeah. And I love it because they don't have to name it to me. Yes. No one has to put a word on it. Yeah. And I said to you earlier, I love going into those spaces and we start off with a kind of, a, you know, the noisy, you know, high energy, you know, wow space and then we we very gently go into this kind of sensual safe mm. you know when I say sensual I don't mean sexual sensual I mean body sensual yes. space yeah. and then without even naming it we've entered into this kind of a sacred space yeah you know and, and the funny thing is no matter what the clientele whether it was in the prison whether it was in the psychiatric unit whether it's in a recovery group um everyone knows we're in a sacred space nobody needs to name it hey we're in a sacred space but we feel it yes you know, and whether we're playing little chime bars or somebody's playing the beautiful balafon and there's little, the koshi chimes, you know, yes. uh, we're, we're in a space of deep sensitivity to each other mm. and we're listening to each other and we're paying attention to the other people in the room with us and we're creating this music and you're listening and somebody might ching, you know, a little koshi chime over there and somebody will wait and then they'll feel the energy and then they'll do a little, you know, uh, you know, kind of a, rainbow boom like a chime over here and and what we're doing is we've created this beautiful nurturing sensitive space for each other yes we haven't labeled it anything mm -hmm. and when we leave when we when we pack up and leave we've carried this sense that we've experienced something together mm -hmm. but the beauty of it is no one has written a piece of paper and gone okay well today we did this and we you know no one's naming it because it it doesn't it's nameless yes it's nameless yes. and what is the divine only nameless yes Yes, you know, and, I, and in a sense, I to me, it's a deeper spiritual thing. And I don't go into a psychiatric unit going, We're going to have a spiritual experience today, you know, because <laughs> no. I'd be fired. You know? <laughs> yes, yeah, and yeah, they're like, Yeah, strike work rhythms off our supplier list quickly. <laughs> but, but uh, the reality is, but you're bringing the sacredness into spaces where, where it's not normally in that space, yes, because it's nameless, 
Yeah. Does that you? I know it makes sense. It makes sense. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And it's like I cannot, you know, for and and that is, I suppose, my my own journey started out in clinical psychology and all, and that was what I always missed in the work was sacredness, spirituality, that essence, the energy of people, that divineness of someone. Um, you know, yeah. and I, yeah. I I needed to bring that back into the work for me. And that's, you know, my, yeah. even though with, it's like, I, you know, like you kind of edging my way, you know, through life, you can see how yeah. the puzzle pieces fit together, but it's like, you know, from the psychology, yeah. you went to psychotherapy that opened up different avenues in there, but yeah. the shamanic work truly brought that in, you know, yeah. the, the seeing that every, yeah. everybody in life is sacred, you know? Um, yeah. And, and Joanne, you know, what's interesting when you say that, because um, you don't wear you don't have on your on your blurb about who you are you don't say you don't use those words mm-hmm. and and I don't use those words and and you know I know many people who I have a great mentor who was a, a friend of mine and teacher um when I was in third level he's he's a, an amazing man I won't I won't name him you know but um you know he lectures anyway but he he walks with sacredness and yeah. he brings it into the classroom and yeah. and into his into his students in third level and he doesn't name it he doesn't need to name it and actually the students don't need to name it but but they when they leave him they know they've felt something yeah. you know so in a sense sacredness is who we are and and it's ever present and you know okay. it's we carry it with us yes you know and, and we're in that space and you know inevitably it, it leaks from us yeah it, it comes know. with us if we allow it out <laughs> yeah. because i think we yeah, can yeah, block it exactly. off completely and and just be in our heads um you know yeah 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 you know for me it's like it but when you're doing something with the awareness of it yeah oh. when you're consciously bringing it away i think it's a very powerful tool Absolutely. Uh, again i keep going back to the nameless it doesn't need to be named no no it doesn't mm-hmm. and it is but it colors in the full picture of who the person is who the group is who yeah. you are but it's like the the only thing that we as facilitators need to do is we need to show up with our full picture we we mm-hmm. need to bring all of ourselves the mental body emotional yes. body physical body and spiritual body with us and when we are it we mm-hmm. automatically give other people permission to do the same you know those those mirroring yeah, neurons yeah, you know yeah. and it's like marion williams beautiful word you know uh, or that piece that she wrote um, our greatest fear you know it's not that we are inadequate yeah. it is our light not our shadow that most frightens us and if we shine our yeah. own light we all automatically give somebody else permission to do the same you know but it starts with us yeah. and that's why i always say to people who anybody who's in service of anybody else it's so important that we keep growing ourselves filling in our own picture <laughs> you know and um, you know keep yeah. expanding ourselves into our full being because that is who our clients get to meet you know mm-hmm. yeah yeah and that is something I've really I have to say I've really learned that from you and something else I've learned about I suppose facilitation specifically is like how you have often you would would have often started workshop it's like okay so I have a loose plan, but I don't really have a plan. My psychology aid will go, what? What time are you having lunch? Plans that never manifest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, and, but that is probably one of the biggest learnings for me in group facilitation that I've learned from you yeah. is to follow yeah. your gut, 
follow your instinct yeah. read the energy of the group what is going on because i could yes. have the best fantastic plan for this weekend and it might be completely opposite of where the group is at <laughs> you know? yeah. but if i stick yeah. to my plan people don't get their needs yeah. met in it you know they don't they're yeah, not really met. i have a great friend yeah i have a great friend in the uk you know him ray who, who does yeah. the rhythm to recovery um and ray's great for making plans and mind maps and, <laughs> and whatever and i i think it's hilarious because i never make a plan when i'm going into a group never you know uh i don't whether it's, it doesn't matter how many's in the group or you know what the group wants to achieve because I, i've got to go and read the group first yeah. you know I, I have the tools with me yeah. and i i have i always have my tools yeah you know, so i've got the instruments i've got the variety of sounds you know i've got the different you know um textures of sound yes. you know so once i've got my tools i'll just go yeah. and read the group and yeah. go and flow and in a sense and i'm not saying that ray ray's an amazing facilitator but it's just yeah. people function differently some people need plans yeah. i i'm a person that i you know i might make a plan because i'm bored but but otherwise but i won't use it you know no. <laughs> um i'll never use it um i i just love going in to feel the energy of a group and like you know 10 minutes into the group is like you know what we're going to change track here and we go you know and that that is a sense in as a facilitator you know um and actually it's funny because i i spent the last two years working with perpetrators um facilitating intervention programs and um even though we would have <clears throat> we would have modules that we would be doing with them within the modules there was a lot of liberty to to bring in other stuff and you know and, and i could see when i'm doing this work even the the importance of being able to change track and and to read the group and go you know what lads we're gonna we're gonna look some something comes up in the group that we need to focus on and yeah. so that's a skill of facilitate that takes a long time yeah. to get that skill that doesn't come overnight that that's that takes a lot of trust in oneself you know to you know to do that you have to really trust yourself I don't know if I'm saying this in the right way. I think you might be able to say it better than me, Jordan, oh, but, you know. Um, and actually what it takes is that, is that you know, the Carl Rogers deep authenticity. Mm. It takes deep authenticity to sit yeah. in front of a group because in a sense you're not, um, you know, you're, you're bringing your skill, but you're, you're, uh, you're in service to the group and, the, and that realness with the group is like, listen, let's just, you know what, this isn't working. Let's go look at something else. Or I think this particular angle, let's look at this angle. Yes. let's all do this together yeah. you know it's that kind of natural fluidity and deep authenticity as a facilitator yeah, absolutely. you know very powerful oh, uh, powerful skill to, yeah, yeah. to bring oh, you know but it's a lifetime learning that skill yeah yeah you know and it is a lifetime learning that skill so what would, what would you say to somebody who feels like they want to give it a try <laughs> you know just show up you know what would you say to somebody how would they transition from the lesson plan over to fluid facilitation let's call it that <laughs> it's like what would you say yeah, would you gosh, that's a great question yeah no one has ever asked me that question before um so in other words what how would i what advice would i give them mm. to get there mm. um Oh, crikey, Joanne, that's a great question. You see, not everyone can get there. Okay. There's no point pretending that everyone can. Yeah, okay. Now, uh, please disagree yeah. with me, because yeah. I'm not saying that I'm right. Yeah. That's only my my thoughts on this, because I've come across people, you know, who have have drums or have instruments, and, and they're never going to get to that space, yeah. you know, because 
if something inside of them just in their characteristics or something is not going to get they're just not going to get there okay. so in actual fact what you're asking is are what are the characteristics of a person who has the potential to get there is that it yes Maybe? that's or what do you feel would block somebody from getting there okay that's even better what would block somebody from getting there um having a plan oh okay yes yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay yeah. so how are you having a plan so what would you say to somebody who obviously has their safety in having a plan you know they're really yeah uh, absolutely like, here is the, this is my yeah. path this is what we're going yeah, to totally safety yeah. in that for the facilitator <laughs> and for the yes group. you know, you know okay so you have a plan yeah. remember the plan and so, so how, how, how can they doing? how can they breach that what, what do they need to do in okay so do you know what's coming to mind hmm. i think somebody has to be very accepting of themselves yeah. before they can get to that space because yeah. um yeah because i think if you are a self-critic you're never going to get there you're never going to get there because uh you have to see your own humanness and your own humanity and see that you know and, and it goes back to the carl rogers deep authenticity yes yes you have to be able to tap into that deep authenticity to to get there you know because you can say to a group you know what everyone I've made this plan I've been, yeah I used to do it the weekend do you remember I'd yeah. have this yeah. I'd be like this piece of paper you know I have this extremely fabulous plan and then the whole group would laugh yes remember we do the weekend retreats because they were like there is absolutely no bleeping way no that he's going to get that plan but but some you know and it was that authenticity of going in and saying I have a plan but we might never get there and yeah. you know and humor humor yeah. humor yes you know yeah. that and the realness of 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 it's okay to mess up yeah, even in a now that I'm actually have a grown-up job as yeah. I say to you you know uh I'm no longer self-employed I work for people you know so I've got to tick boxes and yeah you know I've got to answer to bosses um I remember my first day starting this particular job I'm only at it a week and and the very first day she said to me are you nervous and I was like what am I supposed to be you know and she would laugh her head off my boss because yeah. I said am I supposed to be yeah. because I wasn't yeah. and I'm not because you know I, I'm going to give people my best shot and they're very lucky to have me and, and that's how it makes me sound like a terrible no, ego no, I do not, not it's, just, it's just it's just you know I'm going in there to, and the same as facilitating groups you go in there with who you are you're real you're authentic yeah. you're honest you're you you and and your motivation of being facilitating a group you really you have a deep regard for every member of that group yes you know and i'm trying to think of what the characteristics i think that work you 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 want every person in that group to reach their potential in that group so you're in service to the group but yes. you know you're real you're honest you're raw you're skilled yes. you know your tools yes inside out you yeah. know your tools inside out yes if you don't if you're not comfortable with your tools be it instruments or whatever you know you're wasting your time yeah yeah you know um yeah. but it's that whole combination you know of going in that brings you to that place yeah yeah being, you know yourself and you know yeah oh, totally being comfortable in your own skin um, yeah does that make sense congruent oh, totally. that's the, word. That's the yeah. yeah yeah it is no totally does that makes sense to 
absolutely yeah. absolutely and I, I would agree with you and it's like I you know I've never had to formulate it into words before so I love that question you know I'm a I'll probably ponder that question now for a few more hours when <laughs> great you know and, and message you because it's just a brilliant I'll, I'll question get, I'll get you to create an online program yet yeah, Debbie Byrne <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, and actually the funny thing is myself and Ray have talked over the years over how 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 could we pass us these what you know the skill yeah. on and I totally. and we've often talked about creating a, a program you know yeah. because I was saying to you earlier on because I'm kind of finishing the drumming now yeah. I didn't it was unexpected I wasn't expecting yeah. it um and who do I want to and the, the, the kind of particular field of work that I was in was in the recovery area yeah. there's nobody doing that kind of work I don't know of anybody who's doing this kind of work I you know work, yeah. um you know Mm. creating rhythmical safe therapeutic rhythmical spaces Beautiful. you know um using the variety of sounds going into that gorgeous sensuality and that sacredness and bringing you know i don't know if anyone and, and it's like you know crikey i wish there was because i've my phone people have been ringing me you know so disappointed going oh you're not doing that you cannot you know i've had people asking me to do the psychiatric units again and stuff is beginning to come back on now you yeah. know yeah, yeah. and i'm like i'm really sorry but i've got a grown-up yeah. job you know <laughs> And I'm like, I'm, 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 and I'm gutted because I don't, there's no one I can recommend to go, well, like, listen, I trust this person, yes. you know, bar that one fellow, yeah. you know, that I mentioned um, earlier. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so it tells me that there's a need, there's a need out there. And I, I wish that there were more people sensitive enough to go into those spaces, yeah, yeah. Yeah. you know, and it is, it is, and it does take that sensuality and that sensitivity yeah. in there and a bit of wisdom and, a, you know, yeah. compassion and, Absolutely. you know congruence yeah. and authenticity and yeah. skill and the tool knowing your tools yeah totally. you know and you know it I, makes me I, sad it makes me yeah, sad it does it does but it is you know i think the more people connect to themselves the more a facilitator yeah. chooses to connect to themselves and really know themselves the more authenticity yeah. they bring into the group and more they have that yeah. reaction, you know, they give permission to people to be that without yeah. even needing to say it, you know, but I, th that has been yeah. my journey uh, through therapy, you know, as a psychotherapist and a, a topic that was in yeah. my, in, in the supervision room very often was Joanne needing to come into her body, actually being in the room, not floating out there somewhere with some therapeutic yeah. techniques and theories. And you know, it's like, be in yeah. there because you know, when somebody sits in front of you and they are going through a really difficult time or something has happened or whatever, excuse my language, they don't give a shit what therapeutic method you use, how much you know, what's not analyzing your, bag, your methods, what's your skills. They want to know, can you really sit with them in that messy place yeah. and just be quality present. of your presence? Yeah. 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 Just be present and listen and hear and see them. Yeah. That's what they need. They need connection. Yeah. You know, so it's like yeah. you can have the best qualifications in the world, but if you cannot truly connect yes. to somebody from in from that hard place, yeah. you know, there's a lot, exactly. a lot, lot. Do you remember? Yeah, do you remember one weekend one of the New Year's Eve retreats we used to run? Um, there were family retreats with you know yes. children of all ages there, and I remember one of the retreats. Um, one of the kids, I can't remember whose child it was, but one of the kids said to the mums, I think it was near the end of the retreat. Mm -hmm. And we'd done an awful lot of stuff at that stage. And one of the kids went, who's the boss in here, mum? You know, um, <laughs> I <love it. laughs> and I thought, what a fabulous thing yes. to say, because this child had obviously spent the whole weekend wondering who's in charge here, you know, <laughs> and, and I, I, that's, 
yeah and that's kind of like uh i know facilitator role you have to obviously step forward mm -hmm. and you you know but there's also that that um and i remember once a woman saying to me rachel uh, parry an amazing amazing wise woman from cork she was a great um influence as well to me but she said to me one day we did a, a women's retreat in the bog hill many many years ago and we had women from domestic violence services there mm -hmm. ironic that i'm now working in that yeah. field but um we left spaces open for women from domestic violence services and uh Gab we had a, gabriella everson doing the beautiful art therapy and we had um chris blanchard from the uk doing sound healing and so the women it was a whole weekend of nurturing and at the end of it um Pet rachel was doing this kind of you know feeding back to me how my facilitation skills were at the weekend and she said to me you i love the way you have a feminine way of facilitating she said you lead from behind and not in front Wow. And it was the first time that anyone had said that to me. And I, I've never forgotten it because um, I thought it was such a fabulous way of doing it. And it reminds me again of the African drummers with the yes. djembe players mm -hmm. in the front playing all these yes. solos and mm -hmm. all these people. And the djembe player looks like they're the skill, you know. Um, so I, I love that kind of analogy of women leading leading from behind. So again, going back to the child saying to the mum, who's the boss of this weekend? You know, it was indistinguishable. Yes. Absolutely. You know, and that's how it should yeah. be. Oh, totally. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I have to say um, that yeah. very, very often when I lecture, that's how I lecture. It's like if I can yeah. change the shape of the room, I let us all sit in a circle because we're all equal in this. Yes. You know, I, I never yeah. like to step into the I'm the lecturer here mode. That's just yeah. not how yeah. I teach. I just I don't yeah. like that, you know, because there's so much wisdom. Usually the classes I get are mature students. They come with so much life yes. experience. I mean, the, the oldest student mm -hmm. in my class once was 82 learning sociology <laughs> and it's like and wow. the, the life experience that comes with that was just what yeah. do i know <laughs> that's how i felt like, and actually, I yeah. you know yeah. and actually my one of my one of my most significant lectures was mark Aravin from gmit and he did exactly the same yeah you know yeah. um he never stood at the top and lectured us he what he did was he pulled out the wisdom that we had within us already and, and in a sense he 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 listened to us and he was in a sense in awe of our wisdom and between yeah. all of us we 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 learned we we shared and learned from each other you know in the room so I love that kind of uh, leadership it's very uh, powerful yeah. and I think it's I think it's it's not you it's not unique I think it's quite common now I think yeah. I think we've changed oh, there's definitely. a lot of good amazing leaders out there oh. we're not unique in that way no no you know. and it is and that's why I think it's part of that shift yeah. that masculine feminine yeah. shift that's yeah. been happening yeah um over the last decade or so it, yeah it's beautiful it's great and even longer than that there, you know it's been coming a long time with, yeah, yeah, yeah making a lot of it out those changes yeah over the last while but debbie i usually ask i usually i don't want to take up your whole day because we could literally talk all day but <laughs> i usually ask this question but i'm not going to ask you this i'm going to ask it differently because okay i often ask this question it's like when have you listen to your intuition or maybe not and no you didn't or I did and it worked out but I truly feel you live your life that way you you live your life oh. following those nudges you know whether you facilitate whether you um reach out a helping oh. hand to somebody with you know it's like you that, that that's and I might be wrong but that's my perspective of yeah. how you live your life you live your life quite intuitively that you know you listen to your mm. body you listen to that inner guidance if you like you know mm. so, so I don't, and I don't know I might be wrong on that but if I'm not wrong on it, I'm going to ask the question differently <laughs> yeah yeah um I haven't always because I think of the loss of my finger um yes. 
you know, with the the camp that I was involved in at the time, and I, I needed to leave for quite a while. Yes. But I didn't, I was so reluctant to leave. I didn't want to leave. It was a beautiful place to work. And, yes. you know, it was very unhealthy for me. And I, it's like, you know, it's like ironically working domestic violence. Now women staying in destructive relationships. Yes. It was a, it wasn't a healthy space. It was a beautiful space. Not saying there was yes. negative, but yes. for me, it wasn't a healthy space. Um, yeah. Yeah. And when I lost my finger, I remember that day uh, uh, going, ah, okay. Yeah. Did it have to come to this for me to realise? Yes. And actually, many years later, when I met somebody and she she was doing acupuncture and she said to me, it's my right uh, ring finger. And she said yes. to me, um, that's the heart meridian. Yes. She said, oh, wow. She said, that was that was a there's a lot of heart issues and heartbreak there. You know, so it, my intuition was screaming at me that time yeah. and I ignored it. Yeah. And it went okay. to this severity. Yes. For me to go. Literally. I think it was, <laughs> yeah, literally. And it was, yeah, literally. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. So uh, I think since then, that was 2007, that was a big lesson for me, as in I knowing that we actually hear these things and we feel them and we ignore them. Because I, it's like, you know, to know something, you have to know what it feels like. It's like, you know, to know love, you have to know hate. To know, to know fear, you have to know peace, you know. Um, so in a sense, to, to, to know what it felt like to ignore my intuition, I had to feel the consequences, yeah. you know. Um, so that was, a, that was a pivotal change for me, as in I paid attention after that. And that actually what happened was over the years, the more attention I paid, the more natural it became, the more organic it became. Yeah. So now with me, um, I don't think it even registers in my head anymore. It doesn't reach my head. No. I don't even have logical decisions to make because it's just a, it's just a deeply intuitive thing now. Okay. So where you know. do you feel it in your body then? Where do I feel it in my body? I don't, I don't even know. You have a place. I remember when I first, when I first applied for the job working with the perpetrators, it was an intervention program. Yeah. I remember when I first seen advertise, I just like my whole body reacted, my gut, my gut yeah. very much reacted okay. to it. Yes. Um, and I remember thinking, if I don't get this job, I'm going to be absolutely gutted. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Oh, um, there you go. <laughs> yeah. And I remember I just wanted it so badly, and I got it, and I and I loved it. And actually, they were very sorry to, to, to for me when I left. You know, but um, but um, so when I when I really know something is right, I am excited. Yes. Okay. I am so excited. Lovely. Yeah. Good. Yes. And I'm sure we're all the same. It's not, it's not unique to me. Anything yes. that excites me, I know absolutely I'm on the right path. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and it's I, funny because I, I've noticed that when I put things out there, I did say recently, I miss working with women. I want to have a group of wise women around me and I miss working with women. And you know when you put things out to the universe and you don't even realise you're putting that out? Well, I've noticed that when I do that, I will tell you a fantastic story in a minute to prove what I'm saying. Yes. But when I put things out to the universe, I notice they come back to me. Yeah. Um, and I, I was craving working with women and, and I felt like I didn't have enough women in my life. I was surrounded by men, you know, doing the work at the men. Um, and, and then with this job came up working with uh, in a, a domestic violence support service for women and I got it and uh, and that was a very tough interview. I didn't think I got the job because I actually ended up challenging one of the guys who was interviewing me. We had a bit of a challenge around strong women. And yeah. actually at the interview I was thinking, oh, to hell, this, I'm not going to get the job anyway. And I did say to him, do you feel I'm too strong? Are you threatened by my strength? And I thought, I've just blown this interview. I got the job. But anyway, um, so I, and I, and now I work with very wise women. Yes. You know, so that's lovely. Mm -hmm. but, um, 
just an example of that I had a friend years ago when I was in school in Birmingham we were very close her friend was Gerald her name was Geraldine very very close and I hadn't seen her for years she'd probably come over to visit maybe we were probably about 18 or 19 maybe and that was the last time and I'm going on 58 that was the last time I saw her so just prior to the pandemic I put out to the universe I sat down one night and I, I lit a candle and I don't know what the universe is now I'm not going to define no. the universe because I actually genuinely don't have a clue what I'm talking about I just say universe uh, I lit a candle and I said to the universe, you know, I really want Geraldine back in my life. I want to know how she's doing. and I want to reconnect with her. And I was searching on Facebook. and I knew she was a science teacher. And I was searching on Facebook and searching the Internet for her name. And I'd sent an email off to a few uh, McGuinnesses in Birmingham saying, are you related to this woman by any chance? And did I come across her picture on Facebook? You know, I recognised her profile. But so I sent her a message on, on Facebook and one month went past, two months went past. Five months went past, no response. And I and I realized then her profile was kind of like dead. Oh my god. I sat down this night and I said to the universe, I said, Don't piss me off now. I said, You've brought me so close to this woman. I said, I've seen her photo on Facebook. I said, I'm right at the edge of, of reconnecting with her. Don't do this to me. Don't mm. close the door now. Mm. You know, and I said, You either open that door now, you know, or or I can't remember. I wasn't, I couldn't what can I threaten? Or yeah, what? Know, yeah. or, <laughs> I'm never gonna light a candle again, you know. Uh, like the universe is terrified of me um so I was like oh you know yeah. but anyway the following day I'd been out in the garden all day gardening and my husband was having and then he'd gone off to do his little bit of farming yeah. and he came running over to me in the evening time and he said to me drop what you're doing and come with me and I said why he was like, drop what you're doing and he was he was kind of like really worked up and I was like what I, I was I actually got a fright because I thought there was something wrong yes and he said follow me and he, we, our, we've got kind of a long drive over to the house and down to the gate. There at the gate, parked in the car, was this woman. No. Yep. Amazing. I hadn't seen her since I was 18 oh. years of age. And I actually, when I saw her, I actually fell. I fell on the floor. I fell down to my knees. She must have thought it was complete fruitcake. Really? Uh, I fell to my knees and I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. You have, I couldn't believe it. It was the night before when I'd lit a candle and gone. You either bring this woman to me or else, you know, threatening <laughs> the universe. You know, I still don't know what the or else was going to be. I haven't worked out that. But, and, and I said to her, oh my God, I've been looking for it. And actually the ironic thing was that she'd driven up to my front gate and with the gate locked, because there was dogs being stolen at the time. And they'd driven off. They'd gone into town locally and had asked for my, and somebody knew my maiden name. And they said, oh, so they directed her to my house. But they drove to the gate. The gate was locked. They thought we weren't in. They drove down the road. They met my farmer husband, who looks like a homeless person, uh, on the road. And I'm down the window and they said, we're looking for Debbie Bleakley. Yeah. Um, maiden name, I won't say, just in case anyone's going to steal my identity. And... Um, and he said to her, are you Geraldine? And of course, she nearly passed out. And she said, yeah. And he said, uh, Debbie's been looking for you for the last year. And she was like, what? And he said, go back to the gate. He said, I'll, I'll come, we'll come and get you. And oh she, God. and we've been in contact ever since. So this woman who I hadn't seen all these years arrived at my gate. Now, is there not something in that, Joanne? Yeah, oh, absolutely. How can, it how reminds can, me of how can anybody be cynical? I know, it, no, but it can. It reminds me of so many different things. You know, it's like you say, you know, you put things out there. And it's like, but when we we keep working at it, it yeah. doesn't come our way. It's like the moment you surrender it. Yeah. There it is. And it reminds so yeah, and it reminds me of the other thing. There's a beautiful saying that says, whatever you are looking for is looking for you. <laughs> yes. 
And actually, that's so interesting because I'd forgotten that I put this out there about wanting to work with women. And because I was really happy in my job, I loved working with men, but I'd forgotten that I'd been, I'd had this kind of deep sort of a craving to work with women and be around wise women. And, you know, and of course, when this other job manifested, you know, it's like, oh, okay, I'll go for it. Yeah. You know, so I'd forgotten that I'd already put that into the universe. So it's what, like what you said. It's like you don't hang on to it; you let it go. Exactly, and the same with you. you. Know. It's like you were looking and searching on Facebook, and yep. you were finding her, but yep. not finding her. And yep. it's like the moment you go, okay, now it's like I'm giving up, but I want to see her. Yeah, yeah. Personally, I think it was a threat that worked. I think, <laughs> I think I scared them, whoever they are. It was a threat of, or else I still find that funny. You know. That's so funny. Oh my goodness. Yeah. yeah. But okay, so I love thank you so much for all of that. So I'm I want to ask you another weird question. It's like, oh. does your intuition have a color? <laughs> oh, um do you know funny thing is um green would be my color now. Oh yes. Yeah, and that's interesting because green was never my colour before, but uh, I, I, I changed my kitchen a couple of years ago, just in the beginning of the pandemic, yeah. and I have a green kitchen. Yeah. Now, that's a fairly permanent colour to put in your kitchen, isn't it? Yes, it is. You know, because that's going to be a till death to us part kitchen. <laughs> you know, so it's kind of like, I have to love green till the day I die. And actually, it's funny because the other day at work, uh, my boss said to me, can you wear purple tomorrow? Because it's like international against domestic violence day and I was like okay no problem and I went home and I was like opened up my wardrobe was like green 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 I had zero purple yeah my wardrobe was full of green you know um actually I've thought of this but um so green seems to be the color that comes to mind when you ask that question it's a strange question well no not to me (laughs) and the answer is not strange either because green is the color of the heart chakra is it yeah 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 Yeah, so it's that energy so it's the same vibration same energy is green you know so no that doesn't surprise me at all (laughs) it's green yeah oh debbie i'm going to yeah and it's interesting because uh go on yeah because i i love the enneagram i used to teach the enneagram years ago and the journey that i i'm a five in the enneagram people would never put me as a five and the journey of the five is from the head to the gut which is the number eight to the two which is the heart so it's that kind of journey of the knowledge to the to the actual ex- physical yes. expression and manifestation in the world to the heart you know so i definitely can see my own journey even in the enneagram mm. as well wow. the heart space you know yeah. um and say in a sense that's where i would say i'm at yes is that that heart space yeah exactly and and that is why you are one of my people i invited into this chat because i love working with heart-centered people you know um yeah i'm yeah definitely so i'm so delighted you're here today thank you so much Thank you for joining me on this episode of the Let's Get Into It coaching podcast. I just loved sharing with you today. And I truly believe that our intuition is one of our most important tools to help guide us on our journey through life. Join me again on the next episode when we will talk about more ways we can increase our intuitive intelligence. This is your host, Joanne McMillan from joanne.ie. And until next time, let's stay into it.